Warm Weather Fans is brought to you by Liquid IV. With football season rapidly approaching, watching games in person or just hanging out at tailgates is going to be hot. Make sure that you are properly hydrated for the start of the year with three times the electrolytes of other sports drinks in Liquid IV. I personally love the flavors of their drink mixes from all new strawberry lemonade to passion fruit and watermelon. Liquid IV is a leader in staying hydrated. Now get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use promo code WARM at checkout. That's 20% off of anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WARM at liquidiv.com. Welcome everybody into another episode of Warm Weather Fans, the Sunbelt Podcast. My name is Brian Stone, host of this here radio program, uh, Georgia Southern writer for UnderdogDynasty.com. We got the full crew here this week for the first time ever, boys. It's a, it's an exciting week. Uh, joined joined this week, uh, once again from last week, Georgia State writer for Underdog Dynasty, Zeke Palermo. Zeke, want to do a quick intro, and then we'll throw it to Matt. Zeke, how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, we're we're running up on week zero, which is starting to get pretty exciting. I know we don't have any action on our plate, but um, you can start to taste it, and that's always a good time of the year. For sure. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? No, uh, no house troubles this week? No, no <laughs> house troubles this week. Uh, things things are good, man. Um you know, Zeke talked about week zero. I, I got to go to a coach's press conference today, and he used the words transitioning to game prep. And I said, oh, boy, that sounds good. <laughs> I mean, it is it is beyond, you know, when you work in this business, it when January comes, you're like, okay, football's done. Like, I, I can breathe for a second. By the time July or August comes around, you're like, okay, I've breathed enough. Let me be crazy again. There's nothing like only having eight months to plan for your next game to to decide that two what two weeks before the season starts. Hey guys, it's time to start game prepping for who our opponent week one. What what have you been doing the last eight months? <laughs> I think I think what he meant was more of. Uh, you know, we're transitioning away from camp-style practices to where we're actually going to be looking at the specific opponent. I mean, I get what he was saying. Okay. All right, fine. I'll give him a pass. It, it just seems... It's it's a weird... It's weird wording to say, considering, like you said, I mean, it's camp stuff, and, you know, the offense and defensive schemes have to be installed everyone has to know that stuff all by this point. So it's kind of like, you know, what else have you been doing since the end of July, I guess. All right. That's neither here nor there. Let's, let's start talking about the two teams that we are gathered here today to discuss. Uh, the two teams in question being the coastal Carolina Chanticleers uh, and the South Alabama Jaguars or Jaguars, I guess, uh, if you want to get real, real funky with it. Um, Let's start off with Coastal Carolina. Um, kind of a weird season last year. Uh, not really a season that you can say is a failure, but still sort of underwhelming, even even being a 9-4 team. Um, 
Matt, I don't know if you you heard last week's uh, episode, but I sort of teased it by saying I was getting Nathaniel Hackett coaching the Broncos vibes from new coach Tim Beck, uh, which is tough. Um, but then I went back and, and I told you guys pre-show, like I, I have dug up some numbers as far as his play calling goes as OC of, I mean, NC State and even going back to Texas. He, I'll, I'll get into it, but I want to start off talking to asking Zeke, you know, the offense to me seems like it runs through three players, right? It, it runs through McCall, obviously the quarterback, all Sunbelt, you know, being courted by all of these power five schools. Sam Pinckney, the, the former Georgia State Panther, who was his top receiver last year, and then Jared Brown. And it seems like that's pretty much the offense in a nutshell. Reese White's pretty good, but he doesn't really hold a candle to those guys. So, Zeke, talk to us a little bit about the offense and just sort of what you foresee out of Coastal this year. Uh, I'll leave stuff for you to say if you're saying you, you dug into their their new coaching staff's uh, schemes, but um, it's been super exciting to watch Coastal the past couple years. I mean, and this obviously goes back to the, the BYU win a couple years ago, but Coastal's been a really fun team to watch because Grayson McCall, anytime, I mean, he's like, as much as I have a disdain for Patrick Mahomes as, Mahomes as a Bills fan, I mean, when the ball's in his hands, you know something cool is bound to happen. Something exciting is bound to happen. And, and how Tim Beck, the new head coach, managed to walk him off the ledge out of the transfer, transfer portal might be the biggest mystery of college football this year, and I don't think we're ever going to get that answer. Um, as you said, Sam Pinckney, uh, he spent some time at Georgia State, and I think he's probably the best receiver uh, in the conference this year. Jared Brown has a shout as well. You said Reese White. Uh, let's not forget C.J. Beasley, who also rushed for 800 yards. I think from a skill position perspective, Coastal is without question the most talented, and it's just going to be a matter of can they gel in the post-Chadwell offense. So one of the things, you, you know, you just talked about why Grayson McCall didn't end up elsewhere. I, I can't verify that this is correct, but the rumors that I heard were was that he did not have the grades to make it at a larger institution, to be totally honest. I mean, I heard that that was the main reason Notre Dame went Sam Hartman over him. I heard that was the reason that Auburn couldn't take him. So all of these teams that he would have just slipped into the starting spot, no question, all of a sudden they take a closer look at his academics and are like, actually, we can't take this guy. So, Matt, I want to kick it to you uh, and talk a little bit about what this team lost with the outgoing play-calling abilities of Jamie Chadwell, uh, their former head coach, now moved on to Liberty. I, like I said, I brought some Tim Beck numbers that I'll jump into, but I just want to get kind of get your overall perspective. How much do you think this team offensively, they have the skill position players, but play calling wise, how much of a, a step back or maybe even do they maintain, do you kind of see this offense, you know, holding serve? Well, you know, what's interesting is when you lose a guy like Jamie Chadwell, obviously we all know the type of 
offense that he was able to produce while in Conway. I mean, Zeke put it perfectly. Their offense is fun to watch, no matter what gripes as a Cajuns guy I have with Coastal Carolina. Um, their, their offense is incredibly fun to watch. I, I think the biggest thing, though, that Coastal Carolina is going to be replacing this season is that level of continuity that you had with Chadwell and then McCall at quarterback. For the last three years, not only the players, but the coaching staff as well, you knew what you were going to do, you knew how you were going to do it, and you knew when you were going to do it. Now you don't have that. And Tim Beck comes in as an outsider from a completely different program. And yeah, you know, he might try to keep some things the same, especially with Grayson McCall returning, but he's going to put his own stamp on things. So I'm interested to see how much change there was in the offseason. Um, look, Grayson McCall, I, I believe, is a top 10 quarterback nationally. Um, I think he's a guy that can just do it all. Um, he can run, he can throw, he takes care of the football more times than not. Um, I mean, he, he's just a talented kid. Um, he, he's going to make a lot of money on Sundays, but this season with coastal, I'm interested to see in your, and these questions are going to get answered early on, but how much, you know, continuity are you losing now that Chadwell is moving on and a completely new coaching staff is stepping in at Coastal. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you talked about how how high you had McCall rated nationally. Um, I mean, as far as the Sun Belt goes, as the kids say, uh, he's top two and he ain't two, I think is the best way to put it. I mean, I think he's at this stage comfortably head and shoulders the best quarterback in the conference. I don't, I don't really think I'm going too far by saying that or anything. But you talked about the continuity that was lost by Tim Beck coming in and becoming the new head coach. These are the numbers that I had been teasing up to this point. I just wanted to go over. So I have his offensive ranks for both NC State and Texas, the two teams that he was most recently offensive coordinator for going back to 2017. So I want to start with NC State because he was under a defensive-minded head coach had assume assuming he had total control over the offense and personnel and sub packages and all that sort of stuff. 2020, he takes over under Dave Doran. They finished 74th in the country in total yardage. They scored 30 points per game. That was good for 48th. 2021, they finished 58th in total yardage. 33 points per game. They finished 28th. Pretty good season. Last year, Assuming that this is his audition to be the next coach of Coastal Carolina, 105th in the country in total yardage, 24 points per game. They were 94th in points per game in the country. So they start poorly, they get a little better, and then they totally just regress. And that's, and then I have like numbers, you know. He, he only had one seat. He had three seasons where he was the offensive coordinator under Tom Herman at Texas. They finished in the top 51 time. I mean, the other two years, they were 58th and 65th in total yardage. So that's, that's the offense you're getting. And I think it's going to end up being a lot less innovative. I think that you're going to be 
scoring at a lot lower rate. I think you're probably going to be running a lot of single back and I formation, I formation sets, which they have not done uh, the last couple years under Chadwell. I mean, they went 31 and what 31 and seven, the last three years under, under Chadwell with McCall. So I, I mean, yeah, I just, I, I think it's going to be a huge step back and Zeke, do you sort of agree? I mean, like, do, do you foresee this also being a giant, you know, sort of regression for this this offense as it stands? And, and we'll move on from the offense here in a second. But I just having having those numbers now in front of you, what what do you think? Based on what you gave us, obviously, um, it doesn't project well. Um, but what I think does bode well for. Uh, Coastal Carolina is where Beck spent his time pre uh, prior to being an offensive coordinator, prior to being a play caller. He, he's a quarterbacks guy. Um, he he worked with Joe Burrow while he was still at Ohio State, uh, as well as JT Barrett, two guys who I think, uh, within recent memory, you know, some of the two of the best quarterbacks we've seen in recent memory, at least at the college level. Um, you know, Burrow uh, obviously outperforming Barrett at the pro ranks. But uh, in terms of play calling and numeric advance, uh, like statistics on paper, it's going to be a regression. And I think you just gave us all the evidence you need for that. But he's going to keep your most important player, your quarterback. And right now it's Grayson McCall, whoever it is that follows him up. He's going to keep that guy happy. And I think that's uh, as important as it gets. I, I don't think that's so much – those statistics are so much an indictment of how this year will go, but I would have real concern next year, when, assuming you don't have Grace McCall anymore, you don't have Sam Pinckney anymore, you know, you're you're kind of starting back at square one. I, I think if you are not coming in with the best quarterback in the entire conference head and shoulders, I think it's going to be a lot tougher to be a vanilla play caller – and just sort of do whatever you were doing at NC State and just sort of trying to port that over because it it, it didn't work at NC State. I mean, let's be totally honest. So let's sort of transition to the defense here. Um, and one thing, Matt, that Zeke and I were talking about before we came on was the big regression defensively that they saw in 2022. Um, they, they returned just three starters last year on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they gave up 31.8 points per game and 418 total yards per game of defense last year. I think the, there is no worse example of this happening than the old dominion game when Blake Watson just absolutely tore them up and they just had no answer. So I, I sort of want to start with this, Matt. Where do you kind of foresee this being the biggest area of concern on this defense, having seen the the amount of regression this team defensively went through last year? I would probably have to say up front, because um, you know they, I think they really struggled up front. I mean, only thirty five sacks last year. I say only. That's not horrible, um, but you would expect more out of a, a team that, you know, before last year only gave up 21 points a game. Um, that That's indicative of a team that puts pressure on the quarterback and makes things happen. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to see their front 
group improve a little bit more? Obviously, you bring back JT Killen, the junior linebacker that had 96 tackles a year ago. Um, you know, he's kind of going to be the all-around leader of this defense. And then I have a lot of questions about their secondary just because it, it's kind of some fresh faces or, you know, guys that you really haven't heard much about. So unless you follow Coastal Carolina with a magnifying glass, you don't really know what they have in that defensive backfield. So I, I would say that their strength is probably their linebackers and their two question marks would be up front and in the secondary. Yeah, Zeke, one area, I mean, obviously of concern, you know, Matt laid it out. I, I, I believe Phil Steele projects their linebacking core to be their best unit on the defensive side of the ball by far. Um, up front, they had a lot of, you know, as Matt said, they had a lot of issues last year, especially, you know, when it came to playing Old Dominion and teams like that that really could just sort of run the ball down your throat. I, I guess my question is, you get what Craig... Craig Navier, I think is how his last name is pronounced. Um, he comes over having been the co-defensive coordinator at places like Texas with, you know, where he coached with Tim Beck, Houston. Is there anything like, is the entire coaching staff just kind of taking a step back from where we saw the last couple of years under Chadwell? Like defensively, are they going to, are they going to sort of get back to the point they were at in 2021 or do you kind of foresee what happened last year to, to be more of like a systemic issue rather than just coaching? I think it is going to be a, a widespread uh, regression from the coaching staff for the reasons you just said. This, uh, As Matt just outlined, the defense doesn't look as good as it's been. Uh, we've got a new, uh, a new untested coordinator who's going to be, you know, trying to get his guys into his system. Uh, they lost, I mean... Three of Coastal's best defensive players are gone. Gerard Clark, Josiah Stewart, anyone that's been following the Sun Belt for the past couple of years know the, knows those names. Adrian Hope, he was their highest sack getter last season. He's gone as well. This is a team that's just a little skinny uh, or thin when it comes to defensive talent right now. Um, and, and most of their guys are on the younger side. You got a lot of sophomores, a lot of juniors starting, and – under a new coordinator, I don't know if that's the most – you're not setting yourself up for success there. So basically what you're saying is if college fantasy football was still a thing, you'd be drafting Grayson McCall because they're probably going to get into a lot of shootouts. I, I mean, you, yeah, Matt's, Matt's nodding his head. I think that's probably the most likely, and, I mean, we tend to see that in this conference, so it could be amplified this time. Yeah. So Matt, let's let's talk through their schedule a little bit, and then uh, Zeke, if you want to jump in at the end, do you have any sort of follow up notes to what Matt and I talk about? Um, so Coastal plays UCLA in the opener. Uh, with all the issues that we just talked about with Coastal, UCLA may have even more issues trying to replace uh, production from last year. You lose uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback. Uh, to the draft to the Browns, you lose Jack, uh, Zach Charbonnet uh, to the Seahawks in the draft. I think there's a real shot that maybe this team isn't as good as they have been in years past. I think there's a real shot that they upset UCLA in week one. See, I disagree. And that's not a, a thing that I don't think the Coastal talent-wise could do it. 
but but this is this is how that Saturday is going to go. Hi, Tim. You've never been a head coach before. Week one, it's the Rose Bowl. Good luck. How how does that man not crap his pants? Like <laughs> that is college football. So to walk in there as your first head coaching game, I'm I'm interested to see how he not even not even handles it from a you know coaching standpoint. How he handles it from a human element. I mean, that's scary, dude. So for that reason alone, I think UCLA wins the opener. But if you look down the rest of their schedule, I mean, Jacksonville State, that's a win. Duquesne, that's a win. And then you get into conference play. And conference play is going to be interesting because you start off with both Georgia schools. And then you get your bye, which I think comes at a really good time for you. And then after that, I mean, it is just at App, at Arkansas State, Marshall, you get a pick-me-up with Old Dominion, and then you go Texas State, Army, JMU. I know Phil still rated it as an easy schedule, but I think the way that the games are stacked is actually kind of daunting. See, I, I sort of disagree with that. Um, and, and Zeke, I want to get your point of view on this as well, but I just want to drop this in. I, I actually think that they are their schedule is lined up perfectly for them because it's like what you said, you get to get your feet wet with the two Georgia schools who I think Zeke and I are big enough to admit aren't world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. Um, probably both going to struggle uh, defensively this year. I mean, is it, I think that's fair to say. So, so they, uh, sorry, one, one sec, Zeke. Then you get a bye week. You get to play app off of a bye. App also has a bye, but you get a you get a whole week to sort of prepare for that game on a Tuesday night. And then you play Marshall two weeks after that, and then you play James Madison four weeks after four or five weeks after that. And then it's like that's the end of your your tough conference slate of games. Zeke, am I wrong on this? Like how how do you what do you think? Uh, I'm leaning towards uh, this being on the easier side because you get I mean, obviously, four straight wins in the uh, the first five weeks from the Jacksonville State down to the Southern game. That's probably four straight wins. Uh, Matt, you said a perfect time for a bye. It is the perfect time for a bye um, because then you go into App and into Arkansas. Um, I don't think App is going to be as, you know, I think they're roughly on equal footing there. Uh, Marshall, again, equal footing. There's no team on this schedule that I look at and I think they can't beat, save for UCLA. I mean, it's just which way are the dice going to fall? And if it's going to just come down to coin flips, uh, I'm willing to say that that's on the easier side of the schedule. Yeah, that that app game is going to be really interesting, at least the way it's sort of projected for the way that us three see it. Just because we, we talked about apps potential struggles with their quarterback position they get to they have a pretty solid defense but we don't know offensively what they're going to look like outside of nate noel and then on the other side of things coastal is a question mark defensively but offensively probably has one of the best groups of skill position players in the conference so it's like a stoppable force meets a movable object type deal where it's going to be like 
Can App move the ball even if Coastal's defense isn't very good? And vice versa. Can Coastal move it against a good App defense? We don't know. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, so at, let's let's wrap up Coastal here. Matt, do you have any sort of like last-second overview thoughts before we sort of move on to South Africa? I'm going to give my, my record prediction. I think this is an 8-4 and four football team. Um, which for, for a first-year head coach, I don't know that you're going to complain about 8-4. and four. Uh, But I, I see them dropping to UCLA. I see them dropping to App. And that, that's going to be interesting because there's a lot of question marks about App. But, man, you guys know y'all are both in the East with App. There's something about Kid Brewer. There's just something about that place. Um, I think they lose to Marshall because I think Marshall's just going to be a freak of nature that's going to surprise some people this year. And then I think they lose to either Texas State or James Madison. A lot of people are sleeping on Texas State. And G.J. Kinney is an offensive mastermind, and he has two SEC transfers to pick from at quarterback. Um, so the, Texas State could be very interesting. Uh, but look, I mean, if they go 8-4, and four, Again, first-year head coach, guy that's never done it before. I think I don't think anybody's going to complain about eight wins. Uh, Texas State, as as Bill Simmons calls them sometimes, might be frisky. They might be a, a real frisky team to look out for with with the the players that they have. Uh, you know the the fact that no one's really projected them to do very much. Uh, you know, coming off of previous seasons of essentially doing nothing so yeah maybe they maybe they pop up and old dominion got them last year and and i think it's going to be really important to see if they can stop the run consistently uh coastal because i know their pass defense wasn't good last year but the run defense wasn't that that great either so it was just sort of a whole mishmash of issues on the defensive side of the ball but Let's go ahead and uh, move on to South Alabama. Uh, kind of a tragic season, honestly, last year for the Jaguars. And I say that in saying it was a fantastic year. You go 10-3, and three, you know, what did they finish with? They had one Sunbelt loss. The only, t- the only game they lost was to Troy by four points in a 10-6 baseball game, uh, like in October. Matt, go, Matt, you have something to say? Go ahead. Did you just say that South Alabama's season was tragic? It was tragic for how good they were versus the fact that they ran into Troy, who was a buzzsaw. Like any other year except me, like any other year they're, they're right there or they cakewalk through the West and they just happened to run into a team that just was an absolute truck in and that Troy. game was so ugly by the way right i i don't mean tragic in the, in the sense of like it was bad i mean tragic like any other year if you take that year and replicate it four years ago they probably cakewalk through the west no question but it's just like you have a really tough troy team with a really good defense i, I mean and you lose one Sunbelt game, and it just happens to be the team that just steamrolls through and wins the conference, and you lost by four? Yep. I mean, that's, that's fair. That's, that's sort of what I mean by it. But, so you go 10-3. and three. Um, 
you know, they, again, you want to talk about a team that, that returns like a lot of production. I mean, Carter Bradley comes back at the quarterback position. You got LaDamian Webb back who uh, ran for over a thousand yards last year, was a first team all Sunbelt player. Um, you know, pass, uh, pass catchers, you've got to see a little bit from guys like Javon Ivory and, and things like that. I mean, they have an honorable mention Sunbelt player in Devin Boyson. Is that how it's pronounced? Boyson? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have a really good team once again. And, um, you know, I, I think the st- the measuring stick for them at once again this year is Troy. So, Matt, do you sort of foresee them, you know, kind of repeating what they did last year? I mean, you want to talk about an easy schedule. If James Madison takes the step back that we think that they will sort of without Todd Centeno at quarterback, I mean, you're looking at the, the entire conference schedule being Troy, Marshall, and that's it. Like everybody else is sort of meh. So I mean, Matt, what do you what do you sort of foresee the Jaguars being up to this year? The Jags are going to be so damn good. I mean, you have twenty two starters on the field. They return eighteen of them. Like they, you are looking at that kind of team. Um, Carter Bradley. You know, you, you joked about uh, Grayson McCall being one of the top two quarterbacks in the conference, and he's not two. He might not be, but Carter Bradley sure as hell is. Uh, that kid is the real deal. LaDamian Le- Webb has been a phenomenal running back for them, first team all-conference last year. You bring back Colin Lacey. You bring back Devin Voyason. Uh I agree with you that you're going to have to see more out of your number three guys. You know, Jaden Ivory, uh, who transferred – in from Memphis as a transfer. Um, but look, man, again, nine starters back on the off on the offensive side of the football. You bring back four starters on the offensive line. You have, like you mentioned, a, a pretty easy schedule. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll dive into it a little deeper later, but I'm, I'm seeing two losses in the regular season and neither one of them are in the Sun Belt. Um, so yeah, South, South Alabama is going to be good. Zeke, do you think that uh, South Alabama avenges their loss to Troy this year? And do you think that they are the West representative for the Sun Belt in the title game? I Matt's nodding his head and I have to agree with him. I mean, it's just – as he said, 18 starters uh, coming back, you can't argue with that. The, this is a team that was, you know, if not more than, was averaging 400 yards a game, and they're only going to get better. Uh, we could skip talking about the, this team's defense because it doesn't matter because they're going to score 35 points a game routinely. Uh, so it's it, it doesn't matter who or what you put in front of them, even though Troy was so damn good defensively last year. South Alabama's the same team. Troy, who, as we pointed out, is really the only scary in-conference opponent on this schedule. They're not the same team. 
they're missing the best linebacker this conference has ever seen. Uh, and so, like, yeah, I think a, I think a perfect conference schedule is certainly in the cards just because this team is so similar to what it was last year, and they won 10 games last year. So, Zeke, I'm going to throw it to you. I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to throw it to Matt. Let's let's go ahead and step on our, our team previews for next week, too. Are we projecting that South Alabama just wins the conference at this stage? I yeah, I, I would like to think so. Um there there's no other team that I think is as complete as them right now. There's no other team that is as uh that you look at just just looking at the depth chart, when you look at this roster, uh, you think this is a really damn good football team in every, every aspect you can. I said we could skip the defense, but they've got a really good defense too. And Matt, I have a question for I, you. I'm willing to chalk them as my conference. Is player. there how how much of a percent out of 100 is there of a chance that this time come next year or after the season rather, South Alabama is shopping for a new head coach because Kane Womack has gotten a job at a P5 school? Oof, that's interesting. Um. I'm going to say 50-50. And, and it's not because of what Kane's done, because you look at what he's done in Mobile, and it is incredible. But I, I think two things that really jump out are the fact that, A, this is only going to be his third year. I don't know if he's ready to make that type of jump yet. And number two, and I think this is the biggest reason, he loves South Alabama. He loves Mobile. This was a dream job for him. So now that he has it, I mean, yes, obviously the ultimate goal is to get to a P5 job and, you know, all of that. But I I think he's going to soak up where he's at and and enjoy where he's at. But then the catch-22 of that is, does does it come back to bite you if you start to struggle? Uh, Ask Mark Cutspeth from Louisiana. 20, from 2011 to 2014, you go 9-4, and four, four straight years. You win four straight New Orleans Bowls, only the second team in school, only the second team in history to win the same bowl game four years in a row. He had head coaching jobs to go to bigger schools, turned them down because of how much he loved being at Louisiana. Two out of the next three years, they go 4-8, and eight and he's out of a job. And now he's in Kane Womack's backyard coaching high school football. Um, so that, that's a catch 22 there. Um, but look, I I think Kane's happy where he's at now. If he has some world beating season, like I could easily see the Jags having, and there's a P five job that I don't expect to open up that does open up, then things could get interesting. Uh, but right now I would say probably 50, 50. Yeah, if you want a uh, a cautionary tale on sticking around the Sun Belt too long, Blake Anderson. You could even you could even sort of look at Jamie Chadwell and say, "Hey, man, for you to do what you did at Coastal and to end up at Liberty, I know the money's good, but that is not a a real step up in competition from a." Are we, 
Oh, is he maybe going the Hugh Freeze route? Went went at Liberty and then land somewhere bigger. Oh, I thought you meant it without gonna... the escorts at Ole Miss situation, but like, yeah. I I thought you were going to ask, is he calling hookers on his uh his mobile phone? <laughs> so no, I would hope not. But these guys, you never know. They like to get a little weird with it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of these cautionary tales of guys who, you know, they loved the school that they were at in the Sun Belt, and they were really good at coaching in the Sun Belt, and they stuck around a little too long and kind of wore out their welcome, and things didn't sort of go as planned from then on out. And then, you know, voila, you're at Utah State all of a sudden having, you know, won some Sunbelt titles like Blake Anderson did. I know there were extenuating circumstances there, but I mean, to go from the job that he did to coaching a, what a mountain West or what, at whatever's whack school, I mean, doesn't seem like it, it was that much of an improvement. So, you know, I, I think you need to get out while the, the getting's good. So to, so to speak. Um, I know we sort of breezed through when we were talking about the offense and how many starters they were returning. The defense is going to be great that we project once again. Zeke, last year, they gave up 21.3 points per game and gave up under 100 rushing yards per game, which at the college level is nuts if you're not one of the Alabamas or the Georgias of the world where you just have five stars on five stars. I mean, this is a a Sunbelt team that's giving up less than a hundred yards rushing per game. So can we just, are you, are we saying we can just sort of copy and paste what they did last year defensively to this year and then just say, Hey, just go out and beat Troy and Marshall and you are penciled in. I'm upset that you let Matt go first when talking about this team because in my notes, in big bold letters, is the returning starters. Because I that's the story here, is that this was the second best team in the conference last year, second only to a generational talent defense. Um, he is the West guy. Um, but to... Yeah, it's the same team, right? And so to ask, like, are we copy and pasting? Yes, we literally are because it's the same team. You could plug and play whatever two transfers or guys they're bringing up uh, to replace the the graduates or transfers out. But this is a really good football team defensively that even if you're losing the corners that they are, um, it's corner and I think one of the linebacker positions that they replace – this is going to be a scary good football team. And all I have to say about it is laugh just because it's going to be interesting. And yeah, it's going, going to be to really walk, interesting. Uh, I they, believe most it's teams. a combination of having all this talent, returning all these starters, and having a cake schedule all at the same time. Uh, Matt, we, we talked about it a little bit with uh, Coastal. What, what are the chances that we're hanging around week three around our TVs? We're watching other games. There's other stuff going on. And there's a score bug that pops in and says, South Alabama's up on Oklahoma State right now, 21 to 10, with five minutes left to go in the third. What are the chances of that? Well, I'm going to say this. Oklahoma State does not have Spencer Sanders anymore. 
Does it, do either of you know who their quarterback is? Because I don't. I have no okay. idea. Exactly. That's my point. Um, so I'm not going to say that it's out of the realm of possibility. That that's and and that right there is what's so great about college football. Because in the NFL, the Texans and the Chiefs, the Texans could win five times out of ten. In college football, South Alabama is beating Oklahoma State out of ten games one time. One time. And so that's what makes that one win so special. And look, you know, now that you brought it up, I'm kind of kind of getting giddy on the inside because yeah, South Alabama's a division rival and I'm supposed to hate them, but with guys like Kane Womack and Carter Bradley, it's really hard not to like them. Like I find myself cheering for South Alabama 11 out of 12 weeks. Well, okay, so I mean, maybe maybe I'm just nostalgic for last year when we had, you know, Marshall beat Notre Dame and then App beat Texas A&M and then Georgia Southern on a very very much a lesser note wrote uh Scott Frost pink slip for him and got him fired all in like the span of a week. So that that is something that I'm sort of looking for this year is how many potential Sunbelt over P5 upsets are we looking at? And, you know, if South Alabama is as good as we're projecting and they play uh, an Oklahoma State team that, like you said, doesn't have Spencer Sanders, is sort of reloading, I mean, this is this is sort of the right time to catch them. And, you know, maybe they pull it off. Um, So I think we pretty much universally have South Alabama winning the conference overall. I mean, we're we're going to definitely talk over, uh, you know, James Madison and Troy next week. But I just think the amount of I think I'd speak for all of us when I say just the amount of firepower on both sides of the ball and the coaching and every in the rec in the uh, the schedule and everything just sort of seems to add up and and the stars may be aligning for them to sort of make a a really really special season, even more so than last year out of out of this schedule. So as we sort of wrap up here, Zeke, I want to ask, do you have any sort of parting thoughts? And then, um, you know, you can plug social media or, uh, you know, whatever you want to do to sort of wrap up here. Um, You know, not a ton to say. I think these are two interesting teams because they're in two different spots. Uh, We got South Alabama with their coach, with their guy. They got to prove it. Uh, And then Coastal, they've got to – they're in a similar but very distinctly different position where they've got to prove it post-Chadwell. And next year they're going to have to prove it post-McCall. So I think – in terms of just like a pure storyline aspect, both of these teams uh, give you something fun to watch. Um, and that that's, you know, that's why we're here to, to watch these, these fun teams, you know, give us fun stories. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. I think both of these teams are going to be. Toss it over to Matt. What do you have very to close on? Incredible to watch. Um, I, I think that they will probably break. A couple of records um, in terms of offensive production, South Alabama for sure. 
really interested to see what Coastal does. Uh, Grayson McCall, you know, we talked about his his struggles this offseason and the transfer portal. Maybe he's out to prove something this year. Uh, that, that could be interesting to see. Uh, and you can find me on social media at Matt. Yeah, it's it, the the most interesting thing that we talked about, obviously, like I said, is when you give I almost wanted to say when you give a mouse a cookie, when you give a a offensive coordinator who has left some results that leave a little to be desired and you give him some of the best weapons offensively in the entire conference, what does that end up looking like? Because I've seen teams that go in and and. um you know, I'm trying to think of the year off the top of my head. I think it was 2016, Georgia Southern immediately comes to mind. They have some of the best collection of playmakers that the school has frankly ever seen, and they barely eke out like a 5-7 and seven record, a 6-6 six and six record or whatnot. So it's, it's like I have seen a bad head coach tank a very talented team because they just flat didn't know what they were doing. So that's going to be something interesting definitely to track. Uh... As always, follow the show on social media at Warm Weather Fans on X Post or whatever it's called. Zitter. I don't. I don't know what it's called. Like, it's it's a bird, and then it's the the, the letter X and tweet tweet retweets are now reposts. I don't. I don't know what. So, called. Elon wants people to just call it X. But look, man, I, I've had a Twitter account since November of 2012. That crap will always be Twitter. Always. Yeah, I've, I've been on there since uh, I was in high school, which is 2009. So I've been on there. Nine year old! I've been here a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Zeke, Zeke just tried to talk and I just heard it was just air. Yeah, no, uh, just reminding you though, Brian, that I oh, was that I graduated about in high second grade in 2008. So you should feel very so. old or very young rather. <laughs> I should feel very old. <laughs> so wait, hold on. Zeke, did you just say... That you were in the second grade in 2008? Um, I was born in 01. Oh, I graduated in 2020. So oh. I would have been in kindergarten. Even. I just turned into the, the Saving Private Ryan meme where Matt Damon just ages in real time and just becomes an old man staring at the grave. That's just <laughs> That's just me right now. Just like, what is he talking about? Oh my god. You graduated high school in 2020. Oh my god. I was yes. five years deep into college in 2020. Oh man. Matt, I'm glad we're having Matt, this conversation, I'd like to let boys. You know, this I had been night. working professionally for six years in 2020. Hey, Zeke, we can end on this. You want to really feel young, like a little baby? I had a child in 2020 who is now three years old. What you got? <laughs> so that should put everything in perspective. <laughs> Jesus. 
So this was this was definitely Goodness. fun. Uh, you know, being told Goodness. how old and decrepit you are, and and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so once again, once again, follow the show on Zitter, Zex, uh, uh, you know, Tex, whatever it's called this week. Um, at warm weather fans. Shoot us uh, emails, questions, comments, whatever you want. We would love to do a mailbag for the show or just even read uh, questions, comments off at the end. Uh, That's warmweatherfans at gmail.com, all one word. You can follow me on various forms of social media at watchthestone. Programming note for next week. With football starting the following Saturday, we are planning on putting out two episodes next week, one early in the week on, say, Tuesday or so, talking about uh, Troy and, um, shoot, who's the other team? Totally, totally blank. James Madison. Troy and James Madison. We will be putting out previews on them early in the week. Later in the week, we will be talking previews for week one games that are actually happening. Some interesting, some couldn't be less interesting. Cough, cough, Georgia Southern playing the Citadel. Cough, cough. That's that that's that senile brain setting in, Brian. No, I'm just I'm still mind blown about like someone graduating high school the same time that I I was in the delivery room. So that's that's fun. Um <laughs> We will be back early next week if I don't pass away in my sleep from old age on Warm Weather Fans, the Sunbelt Podcast.